This morning is our back-to-school Sunday. We are uh, here, and uh, I'm excited to see all of our kids in service with us. Where are our kids and students at? Kids and youth, raise your hand real quick so I can see where you're all at. There we go. There's one. Morelli is not going to school this year. It's fine. It's all good. She's here. Wait, we are so excited. Hear me, hear me, kids. We're so excited that you're here with us today. Uh, we believe, okay, we are a church that not just uh, has things for the next generation, but we believe that God has things for you, all right? So we believe that, that God, through you, man, you're just going to punch Satan in the mouth. That's pretty much what's going to happen, uh, and it's going to be awesome. So we're excited to see what God does in you and through you. And so today is uh, Back to School Sunday, and at the very end of the service today, uh, just for the altar time, we're actually going to pray a blessing and pray over and anoint every single student um, that's going back to school um, today. And so even, even those who have graduated and you're going to college, we'll pray over you as well. Uh, we're also going to pray over any teachers or administrators we have in the room also because, man, school is it, it's a big place to glorify God. It's a great opportunity for us to be able to uh, allow God to move through us. And so this morning, uh, the title of the message this morning is Where the Spirit Is. Where the Spirit Is. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 3. We awake this morning? Everybody okay? We good? Because it's a little gloomy outside doesn't mean you got to be gloomy in here. You know that, right? It's, it's okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to start in verse 15. Verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. The word, of the, the word of the Lord says this, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and then where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are so good to us. Father, I pray, God, that you would just be moving in our midst and continuing to do so. Lord, you who created a good thing, we know that you'll be faithful to complete it. And Father, I pray, God, that it would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me today. That those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word. Soften our hearts to know you more. Pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church. And if you're a student of history, you would know that the Corinthian church wasn't necessarily the greatest church. It was a church that was a little messed up. Um, I know that, and, and one of the ways that you can know that definitively is because Paul had to write more than one letter to the church. Some, most of the time, Paul writes one letter to a church and then all the problems kind of get fixed and you're good. But the, the Corinthian church was so messed up that he had to write a second letter 
And there's also talks of the possibility, and scholars believe that there was also maybe a third and a fourth letter also written to the Corinthian church. So this was a kind of a messed up church, right? And, and so Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church, and in this portion of Scripture we see, specifically through verses 7 through 18, we see that Paul, he's speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's giving the church a commentary on Exodus chapter 34. Now a commentary is just a, a fancy word for saying explanation. He's giving the Corinthian church an explanation of Exodus 34, specifically verses 29 through 35. And, and so this is after the second set of tablets, stone tablets are created, right? Uh, Moses comes down off of Mount Sinai, sees that the Israelites are worshiping a golden calf. They made for themselves an idol. He gets so angry, he smashes the stone tablets into pieces. And then the Lord calls him back up to Mount Sinai for him to receive uh, new stone tablets. And so he goes back up to Mount Sinai after he's, he's uh, been able to remedy the issue of idol worship within the Israelites. He goes back up. The Lord gives him more stone tablets. It's there. He asks the Lord to reveal his glory to him, right? And then he comes down back off of Mount Sinai, and here he comes back, and his face is glowing, is emanating the glory of God. So much so to the point that every single Israelite was terrified of him because the glory of God shone so brightly and so they asked him to put a veil over his face whenever he was in the camp and so Moses would he would put a veil over his face because he was communing with God so closely that his 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 body was changing because of it and so his face shined so brightly he had to put a veil over his face until he got to the tent of meeting or the tabernacle to be able to commune with God, and then he took the veil off in order to be face-to-face -face with the Lord. And so here we have Paul. He's writing this commentary on this so that we understand there's a difference between we who are believers and those who would be of the Jewish tradition back then and even now. He's telling us and he's showing us that those who are in a Jewish background, it says, even now, that verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. It's not just a face, but it's, it's their hearts are covered to the reality of who Jesus is. The law of Moses gets in the way of them seeing God fully. They'd miss out on the grace of God if you only look at the law of Moses. But we as believers, we see God fully because Jesus took that veil away. See, this is reminiscent. A, a veil throughout all of, uh, of Scripture is there. This is reminiscent of the moment that Jesus died on the cross. He said it was finished. And, and, and the veil that separated the holy to the holy of holies, the veil that separated was torn in two. Why? Because there's no need for the veil anymore. We have direct contact and relationship with God. And so Paul is, is telling us, and he's, and he's 
showing the Corinthian church, he's writing and saying, those of you who come from a, a Jewish background, you, even if you read the law of Moses, all of that is with a veil over your heart. All of that is with a veil over your face. You don't fully understand the grace of God. You don't fully understand the power of God. You don't fully understand who God is because you don't see Jesus. It's only veiled to you. He said, but the veil, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, meaning turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. We fully see, we fully understand. Paul is using this explanation of Exodus to pre present to the Corinthian church a contrast of lesser to greater. Paul does this a lot in his writings. He'll say, this is one thing that, that happens, but there's a better thing that is here with us now. That you who once were are no longer that, you're something better, right? We're a new creation, right? The, the old is gone, the old is bad, the, the lesser is the old, the new is the greater, right? And so here Paul is saying the same thing. That those who would hold to the law are those who are the lesser versus those who understand Jesus the greater. Paul is describing and he's showing us that there is one person that is greater than Moses and that is Jesus. We know this and we know this well because if we understand the background and the backstory of the Gospel of Matthew, we would understand that the writer Matthew is trying to show to the, his audience that Jesus is, is a greater person than Moses, than David. The, the whole context and, and, and preconceptions of those who are reading the, the Gospel of Matthew would understand that the Sermon on the Mount is reflective of Mount Sinai when Moses was there. They would understand that, that Jesus is greater than Moses. And so Paul is writing all of this as a lesser to greater contrast. He's showing us, he's giving this comment on, on who, who Moses was comparatively. And just as Moses had a veil over his eyes, we have a veil over our hearts until we have a relationship with Christ. And then, kind of the, now that we have some backstory, we can focus kind of on this main verse, verse 17, within this part of this. And this is what I think is kind of the crucial or the crux of everything of this entire passage. We see that the Spirit of the Lord is there amongst His people. Now the Spirit of the Lord and where the Spirit of the Lord is... Uh, there is freedom. So when the veil is taken off of our eyes and off of our hearts and we see the Lord fully, we have relationship with the Spirit of God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul is telling us that we can live life unveiled with Christ and be in full relationship with the Lord. He's saying we, the Spirit of God dwells within us, right? Right? In salvation, the Spirit of God dwells within us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what is this freedom? All right, I, I, just so that we're clear what this freedom isn't. This freedom is not that we can do whatever we want as believers. Okay, 
We get it mistaken sometimes that when, we, when Paul writes, even in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about this. He says, I have the freedom to do whatever I want, but that doesn't mean that every single thing is profitable. Right? We don't have the freedom to do whatever we want and act like a sinner and still be like, yeah, we're good. That's not the way that Paul is writing this. This freedom is not for that. Oftentimes we use scripture incorrectly to justify our own selfish want. Oftentimes we use scripture incorrectly to, to be able to justify our own pharisaic thought processes and actions. We judge others. We act poorly towards brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we have freedom. And so this isn't that. This isn't the freedom to do whatever we want. The freedom that Paul is referring to in this passage is the freedom to confidently approach God. That's what Paul is talking about in this passage. See, the, the backstory, a little bit more backstory of this passage of what's going on is, is that Paul here, he's, he's giving a defense of his apostolic ministry. This is right in the middle of his defense of his apostleship. And so if you look at the passage before this and the passage after this, Paul is directly making an argument and a case that he is an apostle. What was going on is, is throughout the regions, especially in the Corinthian church, there were individuals that were false teachers that were trying to sit there and tell everybody that, hey, Paul's actually not really an apostle. He's a faker. He's fake. He's counterfeit. You shouldn't listen to him. What you should do. And these were false teachers that are called the Judaizers. And so these are individuals that would sit there and say, you're all, you're, it's Jesus plus the law, right? Which makes more sense of why Paul is sitting there and writing. If you read the law of Moses, you're, you're reading it with a veil over your face. If you accept that it's Jesus plus, then you've missed out on the whole thing. You don't really actually have communion with God. You don't actually have relationship with God. Because there's a veil over your face, over your heart. And so he's, he's writing this as a decree and, a, and as, a, as a defense for himself. So that way people will be quiet about the fact that he's not an apostle because he is. And what he's saying and what he's, what he's telling them is, the Lord has called me. I had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road. I know who I am in Christ. The veil has been stripped away from my heart and from my mind and from my eyes that I've seen the Lord. I've had an encounter with God. And because of my great encounter with Jesus, therefore, the authority that he's given me as an apostle is there. And those who would come against me are those who have a veil over their own hearts because they don't truly have relationship with Christ. Paul is writing and he's saying that through Christ we have become unveiled to God. And in so doing, we have the freedom to be in his presence. That's what it's talking about here. It's not freedom to do whatever we want. It's, it's freedom to be with him fully. It's freedom to rest in his presence. It's freedom to, to, to be with him, to be, have an intimate relationship with God. We couldn't do that before, but now we can. Why? Because Jesus took the veil off of our hearts and our minds. We are given this confidence 
and freedom through Christ. Paul is telling the Corinthian church that he is and has that freedom, his power, the calling that comes from God is because he's seen the Lord and encountered the Lord with an unveiled face. Now this is the cool thing, because we can sit there and say, well, the freedom is this, and we can, we can list all these things. Well, the, the freedom is we get to be in the Lord's presence. But we don't fully sometimes understand the, what being in the Lord's presence entails. That it's not just us being free to come to church and to worship and to be all in for God and to go crazy for the Lord and jump up and down or any of those things during worship. The, the freedom that we have is to be in God's presence. And when we are in God's presence, we also have the things that come from being in God's presence. We not just have the freedom to confidently approach God's throne, but we also have the freedom to be used by God. When we're fully in God's presence, we're used by God to bring hope. When we're fully in God's presence, we're used by God to heal and restore. I think of, the, the, of Paul being in, fully in the presence of God with unveiled face, understanding who he is. And, and because of that, I think of, I think of Paul whenever he's on his missionary journeys, especially in Philippi. When he's in Philippi and, and there's this demonized girl that's following him around all of the time. And, and Paul, because he's full of the Spirit of God, because he has the freedom to confidently be in God's presence all of the time, because he's constantly walking in the presence of God, he simply turns and says, in the name of Jesus, get out of her, and it happens. No, like, let's shut each other, let's just shut ourselves in this room for two days we're not going to, you know, we'll have water piped in for us and, and we're not going to eat anything because prayer and fasting, we've got to get rid of this thing. It's, no, it immediately happens, right? The miracles that happen, I think of, and I mentioned this during worship, but the miracle that happens when John and Peter are on the way to the tavern, to, to the temple, when there's, there's this man who is lame from birth. It's, it's Acts chapter 3 or 4, I believe. A man who's lame from birth, begging at the, at the, at the gate of the temple. And, and Paul and John look at him and say, because they're so full, because they've spent so much time in the presence of God, because they've walked in the presence of God fully, because they have unveiled hearts and unveiled faces, that they look at the man and say, look at us. We're just regular people, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And they grabbed his arm and kind of raised him up a little bit and he walked. Someone who's never walked in their entire life. These things come not because we understand a ritual. These things come, miracles happen. Things happen throughout Scripture. God moves in and through His people throughout Scripture, not because one person is more charismatic or talented. God moves in His people because His people are with Him. We talked about that last week. 
That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And and that freedom is to approach God's presence and throne fully. And when we're in God's presence fully, all of these things happen. We can say to this mountain, jump into the sea, and it will do it. Why? Because we're fully in God's presence. The power of faith, the power of God is within us. It is moving in and through us. And we're being used by God. Why? Not because we went to school for it. Not because... Not because we read a couple books about it, but because the presence of God is so strongly in our lives that he moves through us. This is the freedom that an unveiled face and heart allows. When we face the Lord and look upon him fully, when we have relationship with Christ, we walk in the freedom to be in his presence always. And where there is light, darkness flees. Where there is the power of God, incredible things happen. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, are you walking in the freedom of the Spirit? Are you walking in the freedom of the Spirit? Every place you go, you walk in the freedom of God. And that means that every single thing that comes with it as well. You have the freedom of the Spirit. And when you walk in that freedom, miracles happen. When you walk in that freedom, the Lord moves. The Lord saves, the Lord delivers, the Lord sets free when you walk in that freedom. We all have the freedom to go to the source. I've been holding this water a long time. I'm just going to take a drink. Students and kids that are in this room, the freedom that comes, hear me, The freedom that comes from having an unveiled heart to the Lord, for being in relationship with Jesus, and the things that come by having this freedom of being in the presence of God fully, the miracles, the salvations that come from that, the boldness that is given, is not just for adults. It's for you too. That when you go to school, look, this is back to school Sunday. I actually was going to preach something completely different than this. And the Lord's like, no, you need to preach this. I'm like, okay. You need to understand, students, kids, as you go back to school, you have the freedom to walk in the power and the presence of God. That you will bring light in the darkest of places in your school. And you have that freedom to do so. We can walk in confidence everywhere we go, knowing that God is going to use us and do incredible things through us. Again, it's not about us. It's not about what I can do. It's not about how I can pray. It's none of those things. It's the fact that I have spent enough time in the presence of God that God is working through me And that's the same for you. 
not just through past somebody with a pastor title. Growing up, the youth pastor I had growing up, he would always say this, and I'll leave you with this, and Maureen, you can come. I will pray for you. My youth pastor would always say this, you're either a missionary or a mission field in school. Meaning that you either walk in the freedom of God to bring freedom to others, or you need that freedom. See, when we have an encounter with Jesus, He gives us the boldness to be able to reach our friends, to be able to reach our teachers, even our teachers. Think about it for a moment, student. What if the Lord called you and gave you such a boldness that you were in his presence constantly, that you knew what to say to your teacher, and your teacher turned his life over? Why? Because you're just a sixth grader that decided to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do. There is no age limit or age restriction. There's no height limit or height restriction. You can be the shortest person in your class. God can move you move in mighty ways. You don't have to be the smartest person to be used by God. The Lord just asks for those who are willing. My fear is that some of us as, as students, and this is just my heart as I'm a little bit more removed from being a youth pastor, but even now seeing it, my heart for students was to see them reach their schools for his glory, to see them reach their, their friends and their friend groups, and to see entire football teams completely changed or bands completely changed or whatever that looks like. Like you go to band camp and you're there for six hours, what if just every single thing you said was encouragement and, and just pouring out the Spirit of God? You go to two-a-days, what if? What if those two-a-days, you, you're more sensitive to the Spirit of God moving through you than you've ever been before? What would happen to your coaches? What would happen to your teammates? And I'm not just talking about, okay, let's pray before the, the game. Like even pagans pray. School is not just good for you to get an education, but it's an opportunity to share the freedom that you have with others. And so what we're going to do now, because we want to pray over you, but not just pray over you, we want to commission you to bring freedom to your schools. We want to see revival in Cleveland, don't we? a great awakening. I don't care how God wants to do it. If he wants to do it through the schools, praise the Lord, do it. 
We want to see something great happen, and we know it's going to. But we want to commission you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for our board members and board member spouses, if you could come, Pastor Amy as well. And so we're going to stand here and we're going to face there. Okay. And what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask for every single student, kid, if you're going to school in next week or in a couple weeks, whatever that looks like, if you're going to school, what I'm going to ask is I'm just going to ask that you come and you just stand in a line right here facing our board. So just right now, come up. It's all right. Don't be scared. It's okay. It's all right. They're not going to bite. Hopefully. Just stand in the line. And face this way. Face me. Face me. And so this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. You're going to school. We believe that God wants to do something great in and through you. We believe that God wants to speak through you, to speak life, to bring light to every single place that you go. We believe, like Joshua, that God's Spirit would be with you every single place that you go. That every single place you put your foot, the Lord would hand it over to you for His kingdom and for His glory. And so this morning, our board and Pastor Amy, we're just going to anoint you with oil and pray over you. And so board, this is what I need you to do. Learn their names. Okay? We're not just going to pray a generic prayer. We're going to pray a prayer with their name on our lips. We're going to pray that God would use them, that God would move through them and in them. We would... We're going to pray for those people, every single one of these students. And for the rest of us out there, we're just going to worship the Lord. And if you want to, you can extend a hand and pray for whoever's up here as the Lord leads you. But we're just going to pray and commission you because we believe, again, I'm not just saying this just to say it. We believe that the Lord is going to move. That as you have that freedom to pursue him, as you walk in his presence, God is going to speak through you. Your friends are going to come to know the Lord. Your school is going to come to know the Lord. I don't even care if you go to a Christian school. They're going to know the Lord even more. Look, there's unbelievers in Christian school. Let's just be real. But God's going to move. He's going to do something great. And so right now, as we all have oil, we good? Y'all oiled up? Get some oil, pass it around. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for each of you individually. 
rest of us out here, we're just going to worship the Lord, pray for whatever that looks like. But for the next few moments, we're just going to pray for them. All right? Let's pray.